in our children's workers and my Bible. I'm swordless. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, thanks so much for this day. And we, our hearts are just so filled with gratitude as we sing and make melody in our hearts unto the Lord. You have made us for yourself. You formed Adam out of the dust of ground, out of the ground, and you breathed into his body, and he became a living nephesh, a living soul. And you made us for yourself. And you built a woman to be a beautiful counterpart. Thank you so much, Father, for life and the mystery and the wonder. Thank you so much of it. It's so beautiful. You're a God of beauty and grace and a God of love and mercy. And we just love those things about you, Lord. The fact that we live this very day and we're so privileged to live in this country we're thankful, Lord. It's not perfect. It's not heaven. But it's a pretty great place, Lord. And we can gather here free of harassment to worship you and to carry out the work of uh, evangelism, to, um, uh, to uh, go fishing for men and women, boys and girls, for the gospel's sake. Uh, people need the Lord. People need the Lord. And we gather to be encouraged, to worship, to study to hear your voice, and then to leave, to roll up our sleeves, and to be salt and light, and to carry with our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel into this lost world that is completely lost and messed up and upside down and dying. You will die indeed, for the wages of sin is death. And you've given us, Lord, the ministry of reconciliation. What a privilege to be ambassadors for Jesus. And Father, that's what we're all about here at Grace. Strong, loving, tender-hearted relationship with a great burden to win and see people come to know Him who is the author of life, or He who has the Son has life and has it more abundantly. Thank you that heaven's our home. This is not our home. We're pilgrims and sojourners and so on. So Lord, Cleanse our hearts. We soil our hearts often daily. Forgive us of our trespasses. We forgive those that sin against us. Lord, lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. And may you open our heart now, and may the Spirit of God teach us, O thou great teacher, the wonderful Word of God, and may it forever change every one of us here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Take your Bible and uh, turn to uh, that Psalm 39. Uh, Cody read that so well, Psalm uh, 33, we better get the right psalm, that pain medicine's cutting me short, <laughs> but it beats pain. <laughs> I'm not an advocate of that. Psalm 33, we're not going to reread it, but I've entitled the message, Let Everyone Praise the Lord. Now, i just give you a little history because uh, three, it was three years ago, a little over three, that we looked at this the last time, and uh, my heart was, I was working on two other themes for this week, laying that before the Lord, because we're not in a book series like we normally are, and uh, there's three or four, ten different things the Lord kind of puts in my heart to study as an interlude before we move into a next series of studies. And, uh, and I was heading in the direction, and the Lord said, no, we need to come back. This is a celebratory time. I have done a great work. Go revisit that again. 
that Psalm 33, I've, I'm the same, but you're different, and life has changed, and so we're going to do that. So uh, anyway, it helps me because I can't hardly sit to study, and that's really a debilitation for a, a pastor teacher who needs to study and so on. Well, let everyone praise the Lord. You know, the Bible is crystal clear in teaching that God has made us for himself. You're not made for yourself. I'm sorry about that. It's not me, yours, me myself, and I. We get that pounded at us all the time in this pagan, militant, strident, secular culture. You know, it's all about me. It all, de it all depends on me. You only go around once, get it all. That's that whole thing, you know. It's not about you. God has made you for himself. And until you find that, Augustine was right, you are a lost puppy. Now, he didn't put it that way. But you are lost. You are lost. You're like, I, I don't know what to connect into. You're going to try and connect in all sorts of things. And at the end of the day, just you may be a bump, and they come crashing down. It's like a hit. And it never gives you that satisfaction. Why? Because God made you for himself. And until you find your dwelling place in him through the blood of Jesus, you are a wandering, lost vagabond. You are. Far, you are far from being a cosmic accident. Some of you may feel like that. You know, I threw all this on today, and I feel like a cosmic accident. You're not a cosmic accident. The nonsense that the people espouse, get a few letters after their name, and they, they pontificate, it drives you almost insane. You're not a cosmic accident. Men and women are made in the glorious image of God as the capstone of creation. We saw that a little bit ago with Psalm 8, right? Uh, we are to look up to God, right? When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and stars which you have set in place, what is man? We're looking up to find out who we are. What is woman? We look up, not down. What happens is when you turn away from God, the culture looks down at the animal world, and uh, they go like, well, that's what we're supposed to be like, and that's why they act like animals. And tell people long enough in the culture and in the music and the movies and everywhere else, you really have no reason for being here. I mean, really, there really is no right and wrong. And don't be surprised when people act like animals then. They already have a sin bent. But the Bible has something totally different, and it's most wonderful, isn't it? And we say it over and over again. The first article in Westminster Confession says what? The chief purpose of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever, as Piper says, or by enjoying him forever. We were made to love the Lord and to praise him. That's why you exist. He alone is worthy of your praise. He's your creator. He made you. And more he has redeemed us from our sin through the shed blood of Jesus. You are a fascinating creature of God, body, soul, and spirit. I mean, have you, have you taken a close inspection of your body? We do that a lot, right? I remember I went to a basketball camp, and uh, Will Chamberlain was there. I was hoping to, at those point to be a basketball star, and I went down to the Catskills that summer. I got a bus and Ticket Greyhound went down, thought it would change my life. Sam Jones there, Boston Celtics. And uh, the, 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 the outcome didn't change much. So I, uh, my basketball coach recommended I do wrestling. <laughs> but I remember Sam Jones saying that great Boston. He said, look at your hands. Now you have all these boys around. They're all NBA, you know, they want wannabes. 
Your hands, you look at your hands, throw the ball, catch the ball. Your hands are an engineering marvel. They're capable of 10,000 positions. I remember him saying that. And I was, then I was like, I wonder who counted that. You know, I can't, you know, that I can't. <laughs> there's 10, there's 8, 13, 20, you know, 10,000 engineering. Isn't that amazing? And you got fingerprints, right? That's just you. That's just you. You say, like, well, the Lord doesn't. No, he gave you. No one else has that, right? And even the lifeline, don't believe that nonsense with those crazies, like, oh, you're going to die. Thank you very much. I knew that before I came in. Do I have to pay for that advice? <laughs> and how about fingernails? Huh? Fingernails in there? Oh, I've whacked that with a hammer many times. I was glad that was there. I probably would have ended up pick up your finger and... I don't know what you do, but it's there. It gives you a little bit of protection, right? And our bodies are so amazing. God made you. He made you body, soul, and spirit. And we exist for him. He is our creator. We are his creator. He's the potter, and we're the clay, and we're made to love and praise him. He alone is worthy. He's our creator. He's wonderful. Well, songs of praise, words of thanksgiving, and deep gratitude in our heart to the Lord should fill your days. It should, honestly, folks, should fill your hearts. There should be a song and a melody in your heart. And the way I put it is, often then it should break forth on your lips. So if someone were following you around, they're like, what is he humming about? What is he singing about? You know, some of us sing off the, I think we're going to get an adjustment when we go to heaven. You know, like, oh, you're really a minor kid. We're going to fix you. And, hey, look at that. Holy cow. Man, you can sing like the great Italian oratories. You know, I can't think of his name, but boy, he's, wow. Who's that, Larry? Yeah, that's right. That's who I'm thinking. Wouldn't that be great to sing and make melody in our heart to the Lord? I remember the testimony of Faithy's uh, Uncle Dave. Um, remember that terrible day in 9-11 when uh, all of a sudden we realized the terrible things that were going on in New York City and the attacks there in the Trade Center and all of that? And um, Wanda, Wanda Albright was a banker in Cheltenham, Philadelphia area. Um, that very day, she was sitting at her desk, and uh, in the drive-through, you know, come driving through, and, you know, you hit the button to speak and that. And you, I often wonder, do they hear you before you hit the button? You know, and she goes, it was in the early afternoon after the reality hit that the towers came down and we're like, oh, you know, what's going to happen? What's, what's going on? Is going to have another problem? And in drives to the uh, drive-thru is uh, Faithy's uncle and Debbie. And we're glad Debbie's here too. Uh, the uncle Dave comes in and he's whistling and singing some great gospel songs of hope. And, and Wanda said, <laughs> the speaker was on, and it filled the whole bank. The whole bank's like, what's happening? And then in comes the saint, just totally enjoying the, the glory and grace of God. And she goes, it just lifted my spirit. And everyone around, like, there's joy. There is joy. And, and, you know, that's the way it should be. God gives us a song, you know, even through our tears. Weeping may last for a night. Don't you love that Psalm 35? Psalm 30 verse. But joy comes in the morning, to be a period of time of weeping. But it's, that's not the end of the story. You go like, oh, my heart's broken. I'll never have joy, Susan. We pray for you that way. And, and some that have lost, uh, will I ever have joy? And God has a way of fixing it a little bit, and the joy comes back. And he gives us a song 
a song. Well, that's uh, Psalm uh, 33. It's an invitation, actually a command. Let everyone praise the Lord. I just want to locate the psalm, you know. Psalm 32, just, just a word. Psalm 32 is one of the great confessional psalms. David sins with Bathsheba, and then he repents of that. Remember, God dealt with him, and, and he confesses that sin. It comes to the very end of Psalm 32, and uh, he's talking about a song. Shout for joy, sing, rejoice, this heart that's newly cleansed. Then those that orchestrated, and God in his providence, put Psalm 33, and the whole psalm is a song of praise to the Lord. It gushes forth praise to God. And that's where we are as a church today. So three stanzas of this song calling you and me to sing forth praises to the Lord as we walk into the future. That's what we're doing. Have you ever noticed that? We're at this existential moment right here, but in a moment we're right here, and then we're here, and who knows what's coming tomorrow. And the Lord says, don't worry about tomorrow, I'll take care of that. You got enough issues today, don't you? And you're like, mm, yeah, I think I do. You know, don't worry, don't be angry. I'll take care of that, just look up, trust me. And this psalm is gushes forth with praise and thanksgiving and gratitude. And it's a reminder for, like a shepherd, he'll lead us all the way his eye is on the sparrow, but it's also on us, right? A sparrow. What is a sparrow? I mean, a sparrow. We used to shoot those things, you know. Just when I was a kid, with I had that J.C. Higgins shotgun. You know, his eye is on. Oh, there, God saw that one drop. But I mean, they're like we go like they're worthless, right? They're not like a prize bird. If his eye is on that, think how much more it's on us. Well, Psalm 33, and we're going to be brief. I said earlier it doesn't mean anything when the pastor says it, but we're really, because we got our groundbreaking. The psalm unfolds in, in three parts or three stanzas, and there are really time, three time dimensions here. Uh, in, in verses 1, 2, and 3, it's today. He's calling us, commanding us as God's people, blood, blood bought, believers in Jesus Christ, to sing and to praise, and, and we ought to be filled with that. The second stanza, which is the body of the letter, verses 4 to 19, uh, the reason for this praise today is we look back and we see what God has done. And, and, and that is so important for us to do that. We end up with spiritual Alzheimer's so often where we just forget all that God has done. And the, the, he calls us to go look back at least three areas. And then finally, he, he's in the future. Uh, with this quiet resolution of tomorrow that uh, we can face the future because it's in his hands. Sort of summarizes the three time dimensions of this wonderful praise psalm calling you to praise. Well, look at the first stanza, verses 1, 2, and 3. We are commanded, I mean commanded, to worship the Lord. Oh, you righteous. Verse 1, shout for joy to the Lord. Oh, you righteous. Praise befits the upright, give thanks to the Lord with a lyre, make melody to him with a harp of ten strings, sing to him a new song, play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. That, there we go. We are commanded. At the very least, this teaches us that worship is not an optional activity for Christians. It's not optional. Eh, maybe I will, maybe I won't, you know. <laughs> And every morning, I, I say this so often, I know in my own heart, if it's true with me, it's got to be true with you, right? We're on the same stuff. You, got, you have to ask the Lord to tune your heart. I don't know what happens during the winks of the night, but oftentimes I wake up out of tune. 
just kind of foggy in my head and heart and soul. And I go like, and sometimes it takes reading the word and praying. And I finally like, mm, okay, then we're ready for the day now. I don't know what it is. It's just, uh, I told you, it's my old guitar. The thing goes, sits in my study, but it goes out of tune. I don't know. That, it's, that's the same thing I have in my heart. And so we're commanded, oh, you righteous, don't think you're righteous in and of yourself. You're not. We stand in the righteousness of Christ. That's a gift. That's the only way we're saved. And then God gives us a new heart, writes us law in our heart, and we begin to do right. Not perfectly. We still sin, but he calls us, oh, you righteous, right? So this, this is not an optional activity. Worship ought to be the highlight of every day. If you were to look at my day timer, the first thing, I, I st- <laughs> I've done it so many years, I'm a creature of habit, I write worship. The first, first hours of the day, worship. That not, that's when I have to meet, I meet with the Lord, and it's the highlight of my day. I told Faith, it may sound strange. Can I tell you something about, I'll tell you something very personal about that. Um, when I dated her, and Debbie remembers that, fell in love with her in April 1974. That's a few years ago. I was a college guy, and uh, she was down in Philadelphia then working in the inner city, and I would come down periodically on weekends to see her and then teach the junior high boys at the church. And I always hated leaving. Ah, oh, it was agony. Because I knew I was going to see her then. I'd go back up to college and, and so on. And it, I, it was like, oh, agonizomized uh, to, to leave her. And I didn't, I didn't trust the other men around either. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, I didn't. You know, you know what I mean, you know. Yeah, the cat's away, the mice will play kind of thing. So I just, I just knew that. But uh, I, I mean, I trust her and all that. But it was agony. And I told her the other day, I said, you know, remember that feeling of just, I had to tear myself away and get in a car and drive up to, up to Scranton and you were in Philly, all that. I said, I feel that same thing when I, in the morning when I meet with the Lord, I have to, I could, I could spend the whole day there. I mean, I could, I mean, how long can you, you got to do other stuff. I, and the Lord expects us to do our work and do our work well. The joy for me is that is my work, you know. But to pull myself away, I, I feel that same, that same bit. And I'm beginning to think that that probably ought to be what you feel too. Oh, I wish I had another half an hour, another hour, another two hours. I could just meet with the Lord and it should be such, such a joy your personal walk with the Lord, really. Daily worship and congregational gathering. Well, look at the opening uh, and B, the opening uh, invocation. There are six imperatives, six commands, commands. What are they? We're to shout joyfully to the Lord. That's passion and intensity. Shout, shout, shout joyfully to the Lord. Number two, praise befits the upright. It should be like breathing. It should be as normal as breathing. You breathe between 12 and 20 times a minute. Did you know that? Yeah, you can tell if you're hyperventilating. It should be the same as breathing. Praise to the Lord. You didn't have to, well, I have to work up today. I'm going to have to give the Lord praise. Something's not right there. Three, we're to make a melody, music to him with instruments in verse two. You might be interested. Now, this is the first time that instruments appear in the Psalter, the Hebrew songbook. First time. We're in, and we're in Psalm 33. And, and the idea here is like, he's inviting all the world to sing, let the righteous sing, and as a, God is so great, 
that that's not great enough to display his glory. We need help from orchestration and music and instruments as well. That's the point here. It's beautiful. And don't you love full orchestration? Someday I'd love to have that. When we move into our, our uh, new building, we have a weekend of celebration, dedication. We've already, Faithy and I were musing on the other. Maybe Dave and Connie Harris could come down and be a part of that, put a concert on, and we'd have some special meetings and just singing and invite folks to come and see what God has done. What a great opportunity to just raise the roof to what God is doing in the hearts and lives of boys and girls and men and women. It's so great to be a part of that. Praise the Lord. Number four, sing to him a new song. New is the key word there. It means freshness. Freshness. You know, isn't it terrible when, when we sing out of, out of habit? I mean, Haddon Robinson used to say, never did God's people more lie than when they sang. They opened the hymn book. Great is thy faithfulness. I mean, oh, please. Please. Oh, I know that song I sang it a hundred times, but there's no vitality. There's no freshness. God's mercies are new every day, and we ought to be tuning into that. And we go, did you see that? Did you see the sunrise? Did you see that? Did you see that? And we, we're tuned in. And so therefore, when we sing, we're, we're singing even a song we've sang a thousand times, but there's a freshness. There's a newness to it. It's not a, a boring song. That's a hard problem with us. There's a fresh awareness of God's grace on life's journey. And so one man writes, let's not present old worn-out praise but life and soul and heart into every song we sing since we have new mercies every day and see new beauties in the work and the word of our Lord. Charles Spurgeon wrote, and I love this, Spurgeon said, it's natural for great praise to express itself loudly. Men shout at the sight of their beloved king. Shall we not? Oh, all right, we're Americans, right? We, king, King George, goodbye. We don't want you. But how about sports, right? Some of you are for the Buffalo Bills, right? And when you see Jim Kelly, some of you go, hey, there's Kelly. All right, some of you are Steeler fans, I know. Any Steeler fans here? Three, we got no, no clapping, please. No clapping. But, the, but it's, it, it rouses within us, right? I mean, it's to, to express that. That's, it's within us to do that. I mean, and, and to with joy respond to what our team, Americans connect with that. I mean, I've seen some of you bouncing around, dancing, doing the dance. They scored a touchdown, and you're doing, I've seen Mark do that. And there, that, you know, that when, this, when they score a touchdown or something, like you, you can't just say, well, that was a fine play. <laughs> and you want to share it. Have you ever noticed that? It, you share it. You're up and you're, you're high-fiving. Ooh. You're high-fiving, and you're shit. Did you see that? I mean, that's, that's the way God made us, to express joy, and ultimately that joy in Him. And it's, it's a wonderful thing. Spurgeon also praises the clothing of the saints in heaven. It's fitting that we should try it on here below. Praise. <laughs> I love it. Number five, we're to give uh, the Lord our very best. Play skillfully. Especially in praise. It shouldn't be half-hearted, sort of not thinking. Maybe some of you journal it and can write it. Some of you can write poetry. You know, Dottie's good at poetry. Holy cow. And some others, you know, I could 
beautiful, skillfully. And it's a reminder, not only our praise, but all that we do is a praise to God. Whatever your hand finds to do with all your might. Do your work, your skill, your, during, during the week, it, it, God made you for that. And do it well, but especially well when you praise God in this command, praise the Lord. And finally, six, God loves when our praise of Him is loud. Oh, He loves it loud. Wow. You know, I've said it how many times, it's mother into the teenager's bedroom, right? Turn that racket down. No, Mom, this is praise to God. You know, we want to be biblical. Let's make it loud. <laughs> God loves it loud. So our worship and praise needs to be what? It needs to be fresh. And that's a daily cultivating of the soul. It needs to be skilled, done well. It needs to be done with fervor and heat from the heart. It's no different than any relationship, even a love relationship. My relationship with Faithy, you know. I can very, very methodically just say, yeah, I love you, Faith. You know, like a robot. I robot, right? I love you. She would never believe it, right? Well, I said the words. Didn't that count? Uh, no, it doesn't count. Well, it's a relationship with Jesus, and we ought to have that, and that ought to be true. And so we're commanded to do that today. Well, why? Well, that's the body of the psalm, verses 4 to 19. We praise him because, he's going to give the reasons now, we remember all that God has done for us as we look back. So we live in the moment, we look forward, but we glance in the rear view mirror where God has carried us. And God delights that when we look back and remember. It would be a great sin for us to remain silent after having received God's care in provision. We know that on a human level, right? We, train, I, we trained our kids that way. Oh, incidentally, if you're here next week, you get the, it's one of the great week, uh, weeks for Sobolskis. <laughs> it's an interesting week anyway this week. But they all come in. Greg can't make it. It's hospital duties. But all, the, all our, grand, our four grandbabies will be here, Dave and Mandy and Jonathan, Andrea, Sarah, and, and so on. But we, when, when we raise them, you know, if, if they had something done for them and they didn't say anything, we about shook the stuffings out of them. You say thank you for that, young lady, or uh, uh, to our boys, right? With ingratitude, we, you know, we, and God does all this, and we go, mm, um, you know, it's, and we talk a lot about that at Thanksgiving, but Thanksgiving ought to be every day, right? And so we need to give thanks. Well, in this psalm, the writer looks back and he praises God for several things. First, his word and his works. God's word and his works are utterly consistent. He's going to give two examples of it. I wish my word and my works were utterly consistent, don't you? I wish, I wish so, right? I, sometimes I say things that doesn't come up, that, that doesn't come about. You know, sometimes uh, sinful Sometimes I just underestimate it. Sometimes stuff happens. You know, tell my boys Tuesday we'll go fishing. Tuesday comes and I didn't see that come. I couldn't take them, right? Stuff like that happens. Don't ever think God's like that. His word and his work are 100% consistent. Whatever he says, he does. The book, the whole book, and nothing but the book is a wonderful book. And the psalmist looks back. And it uh, gives two examples. First is creation, and second is providence. In creation, uh, he gives the example in verses 6. Look at that. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, 
and by the breath of his mouth all their hosts, that's the stars, and I love that, you should memorize that if you've never did, he gathers the waters of the sea as a heap, he puts the deep in storehouses, let all the earth fear the Lord, let all the inhabitants stand in awe of him, why, here's the word for, he spoke, there's this word, and it came to be, he commanded and it stood firm. That's God's creation, the consistency of his word. Now, that's, that is powerful. That is powerful. Uh, that is power. Uh, son, you'll clean your room today. Well, the room doesn't get cleaned. I'm like, well, Dad, I guess I don't have the power. Whenever God says it, it happens, and it happens instantaneously. It's a power we know nothing of, of omnipotent, almighty God. Well, in Genesis 1, that's the view here. You see on your sheet, eight times the text says, and God said, and God said, and God said. It's naked fiat, power. Uh, the, the things that are, Hebrews 11, come from things that don't appear. God's spoken word, ex nahal. Out of nothing, he created everything. God spoke, and it was. He's utterly consistent. He's amazing. And so we, we need to remember uh, God's creation. This is his, not our earth. You think you own your car, your land, your house, your stuff? You don't own anything. You have the privilege to pay taxes on it if they have your name on the deed. Incidentally, I've got school taxes this week. They mail, <laughs> they mail them out. God owns everything. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, and it's all his, and you and I are just passing through and caretaking what he has allowed us to, to do, and we find joy in that as long as it's not too much. But God is utterly consistent in his word and in his work, and we ought to praise him for the second, his providence. It's another example, number two, of the link between God's word and his work in verses 10 and 11. This is uh, God's mysterious ordering of all things according to his secret counsels. Um, look at verse 10. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. Do you think they'll ever read that at the United Nations down on the east side there in New York? <laughs> He'll bring the counsel of the nations to nothing. Yeah, no, I don't think so. They have, they're pretty haughty, uh, it, it, it appears. The counsel of the Lord stands forever, the plans of his heart to all generations. Uh, and that's the providence of God. That's his governance through secondary, ordinary means. And God brings about his perfect will. Uh, it's, it's a wonderful ordering of events. In Proverbs 19.21, I think we alluded to this last week, many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will, will stand. You know, you, you, did you know that the Lord often vetoes the plots of men? Did you know that? You can't read the Bible without seeing that from cover to cover. I mean, man, uh, man uh, proposes, but God disposes. I mean, there are a lot of plans, and it's, uh, it's quite a study of the Word to see it. I mean, uh, my mind runs through all kinds of things. Uh, I love that with uh, Sennacherib, uh, invaded uh, Jerusalem, and he thought the God of, uh, of the Judeans was the same as the God, the pagan, no existing God of the others. He saw 185,000 soldiers camped outside the walls of Jerusalem and said to Hezekiah, you might as well surrender, right? And, uh, and uh, don't you love that with Isaiah? Hezekiah, the king, prays, lays the matter before the Lord, and God in the sweet grace intervened. The, they were the strongest nation on the earth at that point. Imagine an army, a horde of 185,000 
ferocious Assyrians. I've been to the British Museum and, and they have done extensive studies on the Assyrians and to see these, these folks, they were the Nazis before the Nazis. They were brutal. And I love the text then where it says, God answered. And then the next morning they woke up and they were all dead. And the king, it said he went back home. Do you think he went pretty quickly? I think he hightailed it out of town in a hurry. He got home and in the temple and his sons killed him there. Uh, God has a way of bringing about his purpose and vetoes the actions of men and, uh, and women. His purpose prevails. One man writes, Men's purposes are blown to and fro, but the eternal purposes are firmer than the earth. Men come and go. Children follow their parents to the grave. The undisturbed mind of God moves on in unbroken serenity, producing ordained results with unerring certainty. That's God's sweet providence. Wow. Well, creation, look back, remember all God's done? His providence, he governs. Daniel 2, O king, you need to know there's a God in heaven who reigns. Nebuchadnezzar met him. Remember that? You're a little too haughty. You're going to run around like a beast for seven years. I think Daniel kept the kingdom for him. Amazing. Third, the third uh, B on your sheet, but even more than, than creation and providence, God is to be praised for his special care of his people. He cares for us. Here, here the nation of Israel is in view, but by application today includes all the redeemed of the Lord. All of us. And I'm so glad uh, of that. Look at, look at that. Uh, the text tells us in verse 18, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his steadfast love, that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. It's like a mother's eye. I grew up in a large family with second of seven children, and they, they came pretty quickly uh, in those days. Uh, my mother always said, uh, she was urged, have your kids all together. Holy cow, that's a prescription for insanity, I think. And then if you have four and take a little break and three come later, it's like, holy cow. But, but anyway, but my, my mother, she had this uncanny ability. She'd have her girlfriend over, my Aunt Carol come over, and her kids are like, and they'd be talking away and all that, and then just my mother just be kind of, she could just take a glance around and see what we were all doing. I mean, just her eye was on us. Like a mother hen, right? And later if I was doing something I shouldn't, you had your finger in your sister's eye. <laughs> I saw that. You didn't see it. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> that kind of, her eyes were on me. How much greater is this wonderful, it's an anthropomorphism where God is talking about his knowledge, but he's using words that we understand on the human level. His eyes are on us. He cares for us. What a great comfort it is to know that. He goes with us. He goes with it through us, through it all. He cares for us. And don't we love that First Peter 5, 7, casting all your cares. Now, that's, pretty, that's pretty total, right? That's, isn't that, that, I mean, I don't see any footnotes. I don't see anything in the margin saying, well, you know, except, except money matters or except health matters or, you know, except problems with your grandchildren or problems with, I, I, do you see any exceptions there? Not like my, 
it's not like my auto insurance, you know. They, they cover me for everything, and then you read all the exceptions. You know, I'm, I'm good Tuesday between 2 and 3. You know? <laughs> Casting all, thank you, Lord, for that, all your cares upon me because I care for you. And he's always there. He never slumbers or sleeps. Isn't that great? And so we, we have a song in our heart. God carries us. He, care, he cares for me. He watches over. His eye is on me. Thank you for that. And number two, the Lord uh, has often given us uh, his own protection. In verses 16 and 17, as we go through life, he often foils the plans of our enemies. Little do we realize a lot of that. His power is greater than anything. He foils him. He foils to bring about his purpose, his protection. I love that because Gideon, he wanted to teach Gideon that. Remember that with the Midianites and they invaded the land and now what are we going to do? They're going to rob our harvest and take our food. And, and so Gideon, uh, this young man uh, was a coward. Uh, God raised him up to lead the people as a judge. So he, he rallies 30,000 soldiers. You know, we're going to rout the Midianites, you know. And, and God looks down and goes like, oh, no, too many. There are too many there. You're going to end up thinking you did it. So he says, how many of you guys want to go home? And they're like, <laughs> yeah, I'll go home. Yeah, I'm going home. So a whole bunch went home. So they ended up with 3,000, right? 3,000 left. And Gideon goes like, okay, we're ready. And the Lord goes like, no, 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 no. Too many yet. Too, too many. You're going to think you did it. You are. You're going to think it was by your human might. And uh, he do, does that thing, you know, and, uh, and, and he ends up with 300, right? 300 against the hordes of the Midianites that are filling the land. And he goes like, 300? Holy, what are we going to do with that? Incidentally, that was a great movie. Did you guys like that movie, 300? <laughs> Thought you'd get an amen on that. That's a, guy, that's a guy's movie, lady. That's not a date night movie. So. But the 300, and he said, that's just about the right number. So when I deliver, you'll know it was by, my, by me, not by you. Well, we've, we've taken consolation that is of God's care and his protection, even as a young church, even in our life. His power is greater than anything. And we need to thank him for the things that we do not have, the things that he spared us from. I mean, so many things. I just, a partial list on your sheet. Accidents, little do we know the things that we left five minutes uh, later and, and, and there was an accident. Faith and I were down at the Giant in Camp Hill. Uh, was that a week ago or two? On Sunday afternoon, a little boy was hit on a bicycle and uh, laying there, and they had three people around him right at the opening by the OIP at the giant Camp Hill there. At the, and uh, I'm, I'm a first responder, but my back is not a first responder. But they had three people there, and we go like, oh, Lord, we prayed for that little boy. We trust he was okay, hit by a car, driver not watching. And uh, we're thankful that we weren't driving. We were trusting him. But just think of accidents like... Maybe there's a delay or a red light or something, and the angels protecting us and care. They, we do have guardian angels, you know. And, and contrary, some of you think, well, when you exceed the speed limit, they leave you. They don't. I never read that in the Bible anywhere. 
but God's angels, and, and they're for God's elect, and we love that, and they take care of us. So we thank the Lord for that, and we thank the Lord that He heals. He's the great healer, the great physician in sickness. In temptation, He doesn't allow us to be tempted beyond what we're able. Most of us can't handle very much. Most of us can't handle prosperity. And, and, and well, prosperity is not always good. We've been studying that with the men in Ecclesiastes. It just opens the door to all sorts of temptation. And we wander far away from God. Lord, I don't need you now. Everything's good. Money's sort of like a God. You know, it, it feeds me and comforts me and gives me pleasure. And God knows that. And so we say, Lord, thank you for giving us just enough. He cares for us as a gentle shepherd, ordering our, the events of our life for his glory. And we, we just praise him. And three, the Lord's preservation, the text says in 18 and 19, from death to famine, um, we, it ought to evoke praise and thanksgiving in our heart. But he doesn't stop there. He ends with just a little bit of a, a quiet resolution. And I love this. This is, this is the picture of a man or woman who's walked with Jesus for a lot of years. And they've grown up. And stuff still happens, right? And even bad stuff. But there's a quiet resolution of calm that no matter what befalls me, Jesus doeth all things well. It's, it, it, I've seen it. I've had the privilege as a pastor. It's not like, ah, that's a sign that you've not been doing due diligence walking with Jesus for a lot of years. Should not be like that. And so he closes in verses 20 through 22 with the third stanza. We can move forward quietly, trusting the Lord's help for tomorrow. The whole tone of the song now changes. It's no longer loud, but it expresses a deep confidence in the Lord's care that he will care for us in the unknown days ahead. It's the, it's, the, it's the embracing to the heart, if God be for us, who could possibly be against us? It's beautiful. And just, just look at the word, verse 20. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help, our shield. For our heart is glad in Him. Because we trust in his holy name, let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. Wow. Praise the Lord. Well, who would not trust such a great God as the Lord our God? Who? Nobody. Wow. Well, so what? what how should this impact my life? Just a couple of suggestions. Number one, you were made uh, to sing and to praise the Lord daily. Even all day long. How about that? How's that going? Ask the Lord to help you in that. Give you a song. It doesn't matter. Put your own words into it. Sing and make melody in your heart to Jesus. Oh, I'll tell you, he gives a song. You know what? The song, I need thee every hour. I need thee. Oh, I need thee. I need thee every hour. That was written by a homemaker, a woman, who, who took care of the things at home. And, uh, and yes, you recognize by the kitchen sink, washing dishes and caring for little ones and cleaning. Things that the world sort of scoffs at as if, ah, that's nothing. It, it, which isn't. It really isn't. That's a lie. That's a lie. That's a blessed thing, really. I need thee every hour, she wrote that. 
And as you move through your daily activities on your sheet, remember the Lord Jesus and all that he has done for you. Sing a song of thanksgiving to him with your heart always and often may it find its way to your lips. Oh, I pray. Hmm. Number two, also include in your praises the many things God has kept you from. And most of them, you are not even aware of the danger or trouble that was near you. <laughs> That's the truth of it. Whether we were young and God allowed, carried this forward, or, wow. Thank you, Lord, for your gracious care. And you'll care for me for tomorrow. Look three, look at three. Look forward then. Look forward with a resolute, abound, abiding confidence in the Lord will carry us through the uncertain days ahead. You know, uh, all the future is uncertain for us, right? <laughs> Some of you are great controllers, you know, and, that, and you're kind of losing your mind because stuff happens and you didn't see it. Uh, impossible. Uh, we can walk forward knowing that it's all in his hands, trusting, resting. He'll do it. At Romans 8.31, Pop and Mom's verse, if God be for us, who could be against us? That's not bad. That's a good one to keep. If God be for me? I mean, who could stack up, right? All those people there against God? No. No. All, God and me, the old preacher used to say, God and me are a majority. That's not bad. I like that. Wow. And finally, you know, today Jesus is calling. Maybe, maybe you've not come to know Christ, the Lord is your Savior. This is kind of like, what in the world is he talking about? You know, Jesus is calling. Whosoever should call upon the name of the Lord should be saved. And if I can help you in that, if I can pray with you and show you from the Word, I'd love to do that. I'd love to do that. Have you come to new birth in Jesus? Know that your sins are all gone, and that heaven's your home. And you can fellowship with the Lord and serve Him. I'm telling you, it's great. It's the only way to live. Oh, I pray that for you. Wow. Well, he ends, let everyone, everyone, that means you, that means me, let everyone praise the Lord. Let's stand and be dismissed. Father, thank you so much for this day, and thank you for the gift of music even. That's a gift. And we sing and make melody in our heart. We sing of Jesus. We're, we give such great thanksgiving for the cross and the empty tomb and the living hope and the fact that you should save us. You could fill this room with completely different people. And we would be on the outside. And you would still be all loving, holy, just. But in your infinite wisdom and grace and certainly mercy, you called so many of us to, to know you serve you and we do that for me to live is Christ and to die is gain Lord give us a song today we sing and what you have done and bless us this week as we go our way and serve you as we now enter the mission field and we'll give you the thanks always in Jesus name amen at 12:15 or so uh, please be careful if you're going to make it over to the groundbreaking it will be a very brief uh, time We'll take pictures. If you're not coming, we'll show those, try and show those next week, but uh, we'll see you at 1215.